with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, all the way across the cold Atlantic Ocean, is the gold standard and ghost hunting Steve Parsons. Well, from now on, actually, I'm going to identify as a different standard. It's my right. Okay. Them standard? I haven't decided yet. Formerly known as? Formerly known as, yeah. Um, Because you can identify as anything you want now, so I'm fed up of being the old standard. Ah, I thought I might be. Platinum standard. You should be a platinum standard. I might go to something different. Mm. Depends how I feel. There you go. There you go. Anyway, Anyways, we've been back. So after, after I mean, our two-week ban. Yep. Yep. After our two-week ban and suspension, we're back. I blame Biden. I blame you back. No, it was Biden. They, they were security reasons. He was going over our island. They didn't want us on the air. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Anyway. Uh, I was... Uh, You've been reading again. Well, I I was in a way because I was going, I'm transferring all my stuff into the new computer. And so I'm going through my emails. And then I I came across one from uh, some ghost uh, tech company. And they were praising the REM pod as not garage technology, but... uh, you know, a scientific instrument. So uh, who, who who said that? I believe it was the manufacturer, I think. <laughs> well, that might just be a little bit biased. Might be. Well, which particular but, which particular pod are they referring to? Because there the are so many, Yeah, but there are so many of them now as well. Oh, are there? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's more pods than on a bean tree. You know, so, uh, I, have you ever have you ever looked at any of those REM pods? I mean, yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, I I've dismantled three different mm-hmm. makes and models of them now, because as you know, I'm an inveterate tinkerer, and I know uh, you are. I like to tear things down and find out what, yeah. what garage technology. I love it. It started as a child, you know. I I always dismantled my toys, and frustratingly, there was always one screw left over when you, and you put couldn't put them back together. <laughs> Oh, they went back together. They just never worked afterwards. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think, you know, you've got to, it, this started donkeys years ago um, with things like the K2, because you want to find out if the device, first of all, is up to spec. You know, what components are they using? Can it actually do what, what the manufacturers say they're doing? And we were intrigued by the K2 because, you know, we didn't really know back then, um, you know, I'm mm-hmm. talking about the turn of the century, <laughs> um, whether ghosts, spirits, whatever you want to call them, 
could be detectable. You know, were they actually emitting electromagnetism? Theoretically, it's possible. Yeah, we, I want to get into that a little bit. But uh... we, as human beings, emit electromagnetism that's detectable mm -hmm. at distance. Mm -hmm. You know, you can measure a human heartbeat electromagnetically mm -hmm. from, I think, it's out to about twenty feet. Mm -hmm. um, with you know sensors, so if these things are using energy, if you can see them, then they should be emitting photons of light. Photons of light are electromagnetic particles. So the theory was that ghosts, spirits, were emitting electromagnetism and it could be detected using these devices. So we we bought a bunch of different ones that were available. Mm -hmm. uh, the ELF meter was one, the K2 oh, yeah. was another. There was a whole range of them doing the rounds. There was even we even got a couple of home built ones that cell know, sensors. Did you have the cell sensor too? We did a cell sensor as well yeah. because uh but there was a guy, oh, this was over 20 years ago now, and he was making in fact, I think they were some of the very first EMF meters that were available to the public, along with ion uh detectors, ion um mm. negative ion detectors. And he was he was literally knocking them up on his kitchen table because he was an investigator. He'd built these devices and then he was selling them at different events. So we bought a bunch uh along with some of the commercial ones like the K2. Mm -hmm. And I am qualified. I don't know um, I have qualifications in instrument and instrument technology. So I do understand electronics. Um, and was able to dismantle them and identify the parts and look at the specifications of the parts and find out whether they were. And yeah, I mean, you buy a K2, a safe range K2, it does what the manufacturer intended, which was to check for microwave emissions from Wi-Fi routers, from um, uh, microwave ovens, from uh, cell phone towers, because there was a genuine concern back then um, that these electromagnetic emissions were harmful for health. In fact, a number of British universities uh, set up departments for human radiation studies to see if, because people were coming forward saying, I live next to a cell tower, it's causing headaches, I can hear buzzing, oh, sure. I feel nauseous. And there did seem to be a group of people who were hyper uh, sensitive to electromagnetism. Yeah, I mean, people were worried about uh, microwave ovens. And that's why Safe Range, uh, the manufacturer, an American manufacturer, an American company, but the actual item, the, the Safe Range K2, was manufactured and offered for sale. So that concerned members of the public could check their devices in the homes. But then it was hijacked by ghost hunting um, groups who said that, um, you know, for a, a, a perfectly plausible um, theory that ghosts, spirits, emit electromagnetism and mm -hmm. that it was detectable. And uh, we have, we're still looking, we're still taking them apart, <laughs> uh, including a REM pod, uh, including other devices. The Mel meter was another that, that succumbed to the screwdriver. Um in order to try and understand what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Which I think you have to do as a reasonable, objective investigator. You can't just, I mean, especially since the amount of information you receive when you buy one of these little handy units is sketchy. 
That's what I mean. How many? You, yeah. you don't it's, get schematics. You don't get any. No, and uh, you don't get you don't get specifications. You just nope. get you just get advertising claims and hype, and it's very much the same uh, currently with the full spectrum cameras that patently can't do um, what they claim to do. Um, and yet, people, you know, the, you you go onto Amazon, you go onto eBay, you go onto the websites of um, there are a number of websites dedicated to selling or exchanging paranormal equipment. And you see some really extraordinary claims by manufacturers of these devices. And they are blatantly false and provably, demonstrably untrue. But that doesn't stop people buying them. That doesn't stop people no. buy, buying into the idea that you can photograph the entirety of the light spectrum with one $200 camera that's a converted $50 camera that somebody's butchered. Um, you know, there are there are perfectly good technical reasons why full spectrum cameras don't work, and there are perfectly good reasons why EMF meters are fairly useless ghost in, ghost hunting devices, which we can discuss if you want. No, because we we talked about uh, the meters before. You know, we we mentioned that we've had letters on them and everything, so I didn't want to get too deep. Well, we could we could we could have a go at the full spectrum cameras if you like. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I still want to continue on the CMS okay. theme, though. I'm not done with it. Uh, so, getting back to the EMF in, in the different ones. What was the first, uh, the first time you saw a ghost hunter using one of these Elf uh, uh, meter or the uh, or the K2? Uh, or... The, I think exactly it would be about 1997. 96, 97, around that time. Um, and that was, we, we'd gone to a uh, public event held in Leicestershire and we encountered, uh, there was a guy selling um, different bits of ghost tech, uh, negative ion detectors and EMF meters, um, which, I mean, that's what they were called. They were negative ion detectors and EMF meters. They weren't ghost detectors. But no, he, not back then. <laughs> but but the theory was that these devices could detect the emissions of um, of the electrostatic in the case of the negative ion detector, or the electromagnetic uh, emissions um, of ghost spirits or the paranormal entities. I think a lot of them derived the the claims actually from the ufology because ufologists were using. Um, these sort of this sort of technology, Geiger counters, electromagnetic field uh, meters, and uh, electrostatic meters, much earlier. They were using them back in the 80s. Uh, I remember attending a UFO conference and seeing uh, a presentation. And back in those days, it was done with an overhead projector um rather than powerpoint but oh yeah yeah you know he was saying we'd gone in you know we were uh they they would go on sky watches and they would take these home very homemade devices or converted um military you know surplus stuff and they would they had big antennas that they would point at the sky um, and if they saw a suspected ufo they would try and measure um, the electromagnetic or electrostatic emissions of the craft. And, you know, 
that's been done since I think the 1960s. But I first encountered it as, say, uh, when I was, it would have been the late 70s, very early 1980s, when I attended a Bufora conference, the British UFO Research Association conference. So ghost hunters are a bit late to the EMF party because, um, you know, there are accounts of British ufologists um, trying to measure electromagnetism and electrostatic emissions from supposed alien crafts uh, back in the uh, late 50s, early 60s, using military surplus and homebrew, homemade equipment. Right. And the biggest problem with that, which we discussed many times in the show, is you don't know the source of the of what no, you're actually reading, which is well, the problem. Well, actually, you can. Um, there are there are modern um, meters that are now. Um, in fact, we we talked about one quite recently. Right. right yeah. But I'm talking about when we, we were, when they first started out using these. Oh, absolutely. The K2, well, that was, the, and, that was always the, the big problem. Yeah. Um, that you could you knew that there was electromagnetism but you didn't know where it was coming from and the meters were not uh, they were so open at the front end they were like having a you know a really wide open gate so that they would let in um, everything from a bolt of lightning to you know a police car driving past using his radio you didn't know what the source of the emission was and if it was a short duration event, like perhaps a bolt of lightning, like perhaps a taxi cab using his radio, as he called the next fare up, um, it would, you know, well, there's no, there's no obvious source of radio. Right. So the flickering and, and ju- jumping about of the meters c- must be paranormal. And a lot of groups still make that mistake today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to ask you a question on that before we, we go too deep, and I don't want you to, before I forget the question too, is that why does there seem to be a range on these meters uh, if, if well, that's there, the case? There, well, there isn't actually. Um, well, if you take, when you well, say let, a me, range, let me finish my sorry, thing. Let me explain sorry, it. I might misunderstand the question. So By range, if, do you mean number let me, of devices? Let me explain it. Let me explain it, and then you can comment on it. Um, I know in my paranormal study group, we, we did this little experiment and basically we took a, uh, a EMF pump, which, you know, was more, uh, basically garage electronics. Uh, this one was a motor inside a Bakelite case with a light and a toggle switch on it that when it admitted, you know, so we put it on a, on a meter stick and then we took various meters and we turned them on and moved them towards slowly up the, the meter stick until they went off. And we found that there were different ranges. Uh, other words, on this particular source, there were certain ranges that were picked mm-hmm. up by the meters. So how, how do you explain that if it's just... Well, very I mean, simply. Yeah. Um, that, it, it depends on the sensor that's being used. There are mm-hmm. there are a number of different ways you can measure electromagnetism. Um, the the cheapest way, which is the, a, a method used by many meters, is right. to have a simple uh, uh, solid iron core with an uh, with a copper uh, wire wrapped around it, and as that 
moves through uh, an electromagnetic field. It induces a small voltage into the coil. That's then measured by, amplified and measured by the meter. Okay. Um, that's called an induction type sensor. There's a Hall effect type sensor. And it really comes down to um, how the circuit is set up, what type of sensor you're using, and whether the sensor is single axis or three axis. Because an electromagnetic field has a polarity, an axis, so it can be vertically polarized or horizontally polarized. And you can see that with, for example, um, communication antenna. You will see some of the antenna are vertical uh, antenna and other antenna are horizontal antenna. And if you are in the wrong polarity, if if your sensor is horizontal and the electromagnetic field that's being generated is vertical, then you can severely underread the uh, the strength of the signal. Mm -hmm. so, and if you're underreading the strength of the signal, of course, it's not very sensitive. Therefore, it will have to be much closer to the source before it registers a signal. So it comes down to one the type of sensor that's being used two the orientation the polarity of the sensor and thirdly what type of amplification is done to the uh signal from the sensor before it's you know so before using your, your using your explanation wouldn't those inexpensive meters be valuable in gosen if they have such a short range then the source must be closed. No, because the there is a fourth factor. The fourth factor is the amplitude of the originating signal. So it might be, if it's a very weak signal, you're generating it with a uh, an, EM, an EMF pump. Yeah, motor. <laughs> yeah, but you, that that sensor will also respond to a thousand kilowatt radio station 100 miles away okay because because the amplitude of the original signal is much stronger so you've also got ranges is that i mean this goes back to the old days of of ham radio you you're not going or gmrs radio uh, family radio service which you have in america you have a limitation on your output power. I think it's about half a watt, which allows you a range of about a mile. Mm -hmm. um, but some amateurs have turned, you know, they put amplification onto hundreds of watts or tens of watts, and they can increase the range. They can increase so the radio station. That's why you have China's broadcast radio stations that can reach around the world, Voice of America, the Christian broadcast networks. Mm. They use radio transmitters that have tens of thousands of watts of output power. And so their signal will travel around the world. Mm. Um, okay. your, EM, your little EM pump is probably not even pushing out a hundredth of a watt. But it could be, you know, the signal could be overwhelmed by another more powerful transmitter further away. Right. So even though that that meter might only be, you think might only be able to pick up uh, something at close range, you still might be picking up a wave that's uh, much stronger than. Well, we uh, we did some we did some experiments uh, about ten years ago. 
with uh, the very first meter, the EMF meter that we got, we had that could measure frequency and amplitude. Mm-hmm. Um, so we could actually positively, I, because frequency is the DNA, the fingerprint of uh, an electromagnetic field. Once you know the frequency, you can absolutely pinpoint the source. Right. Um, which we discussed on the show, which we've times. discussed yeah. many times on the show. And we so, were at the time, this is over 10 years ago, we were genuinely surprised that what we thought we were picking up, which was a power transmission line uh, 100 meters away, was actually the BBC World Service transmitter 70 miles away. <laughs> because we could see the ampl- the frequency right. for the first time and identify the signal. Hang on a minute. It's not the power cable it's the bbc there you go so, so the other the other thing too that that and you you brought this up uh, earlier is that the sensors on the particular meters uh it's where they are too uh you know i i see people using sensors their emf meter and waving it in front of them and i see mm-hmm. oh look going off there's a ghost in front of me the only problem was that there there's sensors on that particular meter are off to the side so they're actually not just it. not just that but there is mm-hmm. a second there is a second sensor um which you have to factor into uh, into the equation as well because um i don't know if it's done a lot in america it certainly was as a kid over here in the uk um if you grabbed a hold of do you remember uh, the home am radio yeah if you if you licked your finger and stuck it on near the antenna, the signal would improve. The reception would improve, mm-hmm. exactly. Because the human body, being a big bag of salty water, is actually is actually itself a very very good radio antenna. Oh sure. As our trees. Goes all the way back to the rabbit air TVs when you have hey honey stand right there hold those yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it's not just people; it's buildings because. Buildings have metal uh, structures. They have wiring inside of them. Now, the wiring uh, is, is you know, an electrical, the house electrical wiring is an antenna because an, an antenna is just basically an electrical, it's just a piece of copper wire. And so your, your, the wiring in your house, in your home or in the building you're in or the metal framing of the building that you're in or the fence, um, the the uh, wire, the metal fencing, are all acting as antenna. Now, those antenna are not just receiving the signal, but they're also re-radiating it. They're called secondary radiator antenna. And every conductive material does that. It doesn't just receive; it also transmits. So the investigator holding the meter in their hand they are also acting as an antenna. So kind of messing up the the signal in a way. Right. And, and it, we know also that it, you brought it up earlier that uh, the human body is also is a, is a very effective radio antenna. We, you right. know, we all did it as kids. Um, you know, I remember we had um, an FM. AM, but it's FM also radio. a source of, of EMF as well. It is a source of EMF. Uh, so yeah. is the heat. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, as I said before, we are, our, our whole nervous system is, uh, runs on an electrochemical system. 
the nervous system is all of the nerve transmissions are electrochemical and we generate our own electromagnetic field which is measurable and detectable and if you you've you've recently had some medical treatments and if they stick an ecg lead on your chest that's how they measure your heart they're not measuring the blood rushing through your body what they're doing is measuring the electromagnetic field generated by the heart as it hence beats and pulses EKG. hence ekg yeah, it's it's interesting, and and the other thing I wanted to to bring out as as we get closer to the break uh, was is, I might go back to microwave ovens again, and in the microwave ovens, one of the mm -hmm. things that they did to keep uh, the waves from toasting you uh, is putting the metal mesh mm -hmm. in the glass. Is correct? Correct. So but, I, I what go ahead. Well. It, that stops microwaves from getting out obviously because right. you you don't want to be cooked by the microwaves not a, not a good idea but it doesn't stop rate people have used emf meters inside a microwave oven to use the microwave oven as a faraday shield You're right a faraday cage and work. at microwave frequencies it's a very very good microwave um faraday cage however if you put an AM radio or an FM radio inside a microwave oven, it'll function perfectly well. And it's exactly the same reason as your mobile phone works from inside a jetliner while you're parked on the ground at Boston Logan Airport. You're inside a metal tube, but the radio signal can pass through the windows, the gaps in the metal uh, tube, the same as it passes through the very small holes in the mesh on your microwave oven door, you know, on that little window. Mm -hmm. Because those those that gap is smaller than the it's small enough to um, effectively block microwave energy, but will allow long wave radio frequencies to pass through it. Mm -hmm. Now, so the one time you came over here, you uh, gave me a, a lovely pair of uh, microwave glasses is the only way I can describe it. And basically, it was glasses that had like a metal mesh on it with all uh -huh. small holes in it uh -huh. and that what was the purpose of that was that for emf or was that for microwave it must have been emf right uh well actually that that mesh would uh, was uh, the same as a microwave oven so it would block microwave emissions from cooking your eyeballs but it would it wouldn't block a uh an fm radio station which is have no idea with this. All I all they do, by the way, is make you nausea. So, yeah. Anyways, we we are coming. And they look break, cool. So. And they look cool. I don't know about that. Anyway, we've got to take a break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Steve Parson, formerly known as the Gold Standard in Ghost Hunting, and Ron Kolick, formerly known as Van Helsing, uh, right here on Tojinet Radio, uh, brought to you by our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio and Patreon, who actually make this happen. And we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokinet. 
Radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. And welcome back to the second half of the first half of tonight's two-hour Ghost Chronicles uh, edition. This is the international version with your rainbow hosts, Rainbow Ron and... Uh, oh, I like that. Yeah, rainbow Ron. That's a good one, isn't it? Mm. Oh, and how's Chicago? You know, if I uh, didn't make it out of that operation, which ended up not having... Uh, I was going to come back and do a show anyways called uh, Ron from Beyond. That would have been interesting. would be cool, huh? Yeah. Anyway. All right. So back to, uh, we were, I, wanna, I don't know if we can finish up this, but it's, there's a couple of more things I wanted to talk about. Uh, so the first time I saw the K2 in use by a ghost hunter was actually on TV. And that uh-huh. was on a series called uh, Dead Famous with Gail Porter and uh, Fleming. I and, remember. And I actually enjoyed that series for some particular reason. I have no idea. But uh, not as good as Most Haunted, let me tell you. But anyway, uh, what? A, but he didn't use it as a EMF. He really used it as a communication device. What was hey. the first time... You saw EMF meter all of a sudden being used as a communication. Well, you, know, you, you know that 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 kind of happened right out of the box. Um, oh, it did at the, at the very start. Yeah, uh, Chris Fleming was um, the man who brought the K two to the public's attention, and it was then you know it was also later used on um, Ghost Hunters with Tax. Oh yeah, uh, but Chris Fleming, I mean. I, I believe for a time that he actually had a tie-up um, with um, the then supplies, still current supplies, goes to Augustine. Yeah, uh, because I had him on the show and I was kind of like uh, asking him about that, not very nicely about it. And uh, yeah, he got all. But there, there was, you know, there was an as seen by Chris Fleming, and you know, there was a lot of promotion done um, based on um, 
him showcasing the device and a lot of groups were paying a lot of money for them. Mm-hmm. In fact, it, it's interesting, actually, the K2 is still so popular that it's the only ghost meter um, that has ever been. Um, if you go onto Amazon now, you will see hundreds of Chinese clones. Mm. Um, you know, it's been cloned because of its popularity. Do you remember the first one? You actually had to hold the button down. That's right. Or you could wedge, um, you wedge a dime or no, no, something. A, yeah, a penny or a dime under the on-off yep. switch. Um, or if you wiggled the switch just a little bit from side to side, you could make the thing flash. Really? Oh yeah. Taps actually. Good. The guys down at um, Taps they had a, a modification done to theirs. Um, I remember um, we got a hold of one, and then it became a commercial adaption where you could have a dedicated on-off switch fitted to Yeah, they put a, like a toggle switch on the side or something. And it had a toggle switch on the side of it. Yeah. But but the standard version just had a – it was a, basically a three-sided piece of plastic in the middle mm. that, yep. you know, you, you, you held down with Press your thumb. Down on it, yeah. And if you raised and lowered your thumb just a fraction, you know, so if you watch somebody doing it, the, you could barely detect any motion, but you could right. make the thing flash. Mm-hmm. Always a good trick for television, that one. Yeah, very good. But that was, I mean, so. Or as you said, if you were. How a, did they you know, make the jump jump as a communication device? Well, they did it fairly right out of the box, as I said, right from the very uh, get go, because if you, if you turn the device on, it wasn't going to do very much. Um, you know, you, if you had the on off switch version, or you'd wedged uh, a penny or a dime under the um, piece of plastic to keep the thing switched on. Generally, it didn't do anything. Um, and it was, you know, so then they realized if you were holding the button, as you held it for a long time, your thumb got a little tired and yeah. the pressure came off. And so that was quickly interpreted as communication. You get the spirit to flash the lights can you can you communicate with us so with, with uh, the taps version with the toggle switch uh, on off switch on it um when it was on for a while remember the amount of radio equipment that's being used in a broadcast situation you've got mm-hmm. uh, radio microphones you've got camera feeds you've got oh sure uh, and it doesn't take very much for these things to trigger and you interpret it as they weren't first of all communicated you know in the, in the sense that um you know if you're here can you flash the lights oh look it flashed thank you so it was it was a very crude form of communication um but it was i mean communication was right right there at the very start Mm-hmm. Uh, it became much more popular later as groups bought their own uh, EMF meters of different types that did have uh, permanent switches. They realized very quickly that that oftentimes uh, the meter was doing fairly random things. Mm-hmm. And rather like the maglite, they interpreted these periodic flashes and noises that the meters made as an attempt by the spirit world to communicate so let me go back to the 
what started this all is is that if we're people, we give off EMF, and if ghosts mm-hmm. die, then they may give it up. So how did that be converted into all of a sudden they're making a a meter flash? Because they were they were following the the meter basically, um, and you know in the in the crazy world of television, you've got to have something happen. Mm-hmm. And so when the meter flashes, they couldn't ignore it. So they interpreted, Chris Fleming was one of the first. He said, oh, look, they're trying to communicate. They're flashing the meter. Um, and you can you can see this progression right, in but, the, very, but... the very first appearances. It was, it's going off because it's detecting something to very soon afterwards, it's going off because they're trying to communicate by flashing the lights. So, so what's the logic behind this? What I'm trying to say, how how the does the spirit make make the meter go off? Well, there are innumerable theories. If you ask ten people, you'll get nine different answers. Mm-hmm. But I'm asking you the gold standard because you wrote ghostology. We know the, that the real reason why the meters are flashing are for all of the reasons we said before. They're picking up an electromagnetic signal, but you don't know where it's coming from. It could be Voice of America. It could be a taxi cab. It could be the equipment that you're using, um, your cameras, what your is the, radios. What is the ghost hunter's logic behind this? Not not the scientist, the ghost hunter. The ghost hunter's logic is it's picking up an, an, a, a normal electromagnetic signal that's, that's present there. But you know, with a K two, you'll never know. What so, what is it. what is the the ghost sitting on the meter? I mean, how does he no. make the light go up? That's what well, I want. That's the great that's the great mystery. Um, there are, as I said before, if you ask ten people, you'll get nine answers because some people. Yeah, I, just, I was say, just curious in some of the answers that well, they, some, they some, use. Some of the explanations range from the ghost um, has uh, will approach the meter and wave its ghostly bits in front of the meter uh, <laughs> to make the thing go off in other cases the ghost is doing it sentiently you know it's it's sort of projecting its own energy and you've heard this this use our energy idea that you know oh, ghosts yeah. can absorb energy that they zap batteries and do other extraordinary things and make pieces of electrical equipment malfunction um again there is no evidence to support that but this idea that they can interfere with the electronics by manipulating their or the individuals who are there present energy fields. So you'll hear some mediums say, use our energy and make the lights flash. You'll hear others say, approach the meter and make the lights flash. You'll hear others mixing up all manner of different ideas and theories and some say it's quantum physics some say it's oh, you know explains everything well, others you know uh, will describe it as they're using interdimensionality oh. whatever wacky science that that they subscribe to becomes their explanation because there isn't an explanation because other than in the where you can measure the frequency, we know that the electromagnetism, we know where it's coming from, but with a K2 or a REM or one of the other innumerable, the 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 ghost meter pro, the cell sensor, you've got not a clue what what the cause of the electromagnetism is. Um, because you can't measure the frequency. Mm-hmm. But when you can measure the frequency, you never find it's paranormal. 
you always find it's a man-made source or a natural the, source in very rare cases. And the, the thing is, too, is that they use these various things to, to uh, explain proof how it works. For instance, oh, my K2 meter went off. Just then I got really cold. And look, mm -hmm. I got this picture that's got an orb in it. Uh -huh. So there's proof that there was a ghost there. And it's well, Queen Elizabeth, the, of course. Or well, that's, the, that's their proof. And they, that's what they're looking for. So they don't look any further because they've already found what they're seeking. In truth, we parascience do have uh, two very expensive EMF meters. They're made by Aronia, a German company. And they can simultaneously display frequency and amplitude. And we have in over 10 years of using these devices, never detected an electromagnetic field that we can't identify the source of ever. But if we switch to K2 on, it will flash and chirrup and buzz and flicker its lights. Have you used them in correlation with each other? Yes, we have. Okay, that's good. Yes, we have. And that's they were true. the very first experiments we did. Mm -hmm. um, we set up the Aronia uh, NF5030 meters, the expensive meters, alongside the cheaper brethren. And oftentimes the cheaper brethren never went off because the sensors aren't sensitive enough in them because they're cheaply made, not these industry quality, industry standard devices that we were using, we're using. Um, but when they do, when, when they did go off simultaneously, it was a measurable known man-made source. Mm -hmm. We have never detected a paranormal unknown electromagnetic field. So should we stop using the EMF meters? I would say, well, I and I do say I can see no point or purpose in measuring electromagnetism unless you have. Uh, there was there are cases and I go back to the start of the show where I said there are some people who say that they um, reasonably claim to have a hypersensitivity to electromagnetism. It makes them genuinely um ill mm -hmm. causing some headaches nausea and a range of other symptoms now some of those symptoms are psychosomatic but in some people there is a, a question that they are real symptoms mm -hmm. and in a number of uh michael persinger was one was one case there was a case that we looked at where there was a fault in the electricity supply to the building that was causing these um, very, very high amplitudes of electromagnetism. And we're talking hundreds of times normal uh, electromagnetism. Right. And it was having measurable effects on people. I always we... go back, yeah. I always go back to when I was on WCCM and we used to do the call-ins and this woman would always call the show and say she had one-eye aliens in her kitchen. And so finally, after one show, I said, you know what, I'm going to go buy your house and I'll, I'll take a look at it for you. So we went there and, uh, you know, I brought an EMF meter because that's what I did back then. And the it was up on the top floors and we came into there and that meter was absolutely blaring. I mean, mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. extreme. And the one I aliens turned out to be nuts. 
in her paneling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the, the, you know, this, I, I can't correlate because my, my need isn't, but such, you know, high EMF could cause. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And yeah. with if people want to go to parascience.org.uk and look up the Cheshire farmhouse, Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's an account of the investigation where we discovered this this um, broken uh, electricity supply cable that was attached to the front of the house that was running oh. past. That it was actually, you know, physically attached to the front of the property, mm -hmm. and it had a fault in it. And we worked with Bristol University, the Department of Human Radiation Studies, and they came along with the equipment and they did some long-term measuring over 48 hours we'd we'd also done the same but they had far more credibility than we did and jointly um the university and the homeowner contacted the electricity supply company and they came and rectified the fault and the paranormal experiences went away because people were, the people in the house were attributing the unusual sensations that they were getting from the very high electromagnetism with paranormal experiences. They were feeling strange. You can't smell it, EMF. You can't taste it. You, you can't hear it. So when they were having these unusual sensations in a house that they thought... How come you can smell lightning at times? You, you don't smell lightning. You smell the ozone. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah, you're smelling the ozone. Um, ozone does have a distinctive aroma. Um, and when, it, anyway, um, but ordinarily, you know, this electromagnetic field that was coming from the faulty cable was completely undetectable using the five human, the, the ordinary human senses, but nevertheless was having a physiological effect on the individuals that they were interpreting as. A paranormal intervention and when the cable was rectified the paranormal sensations that they were attributing right. to the ghost obviously stopped as well you know i i wonder and you know i i'm sure but uh the the clock radio uh the clock alarm clock that you have on your nightstand, so many radio. people right a very high source of, of well the older ones did the new yeah ones the old ones it's the one yeah, I know, green, but the glowing green or glowing red display. Right. You you know how how powerful they were. Um, they were very powerful. And so I wonder how much uh, uh, that had affected some people's experiences while they were in bed. Uh, it, it was never it was never measured, but it is interesting that these devices. I mean, your, your bedside clock radio, um, you know, with the red or the gl the green glowing tubes. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about the older generation of devices. Yeah, I have some of those. They give off a ton. I'll tell you, they do. They 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 give off a lot of electromagnetism, and their their position because of the way you know most people have the nightstand right by their head, right by their head, mm -hmm. and you know it's not surprising that they were people were having some very strange dreams or and sensations, and then attributing them to the paranormal. Mm -hmm. You know, I was yelling at Janet because she has one of those. I said, on the other side of your nightstand, if you're going to have it, have it on the other side. Get as much distance <laughs> as you can away from it. That's it. Of course, you know, never listens. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but then you've got, again, to, she's a woman, you've got so. to bear in mind, you know, um, 
there is there is no substantial health risk associated with them. And mm-hmm. so if you're if you are one of the the majority of people who aren't affected, then right. you'll be fine. Right. Um, but if you are having, you know, strange dreams or headaches or um, then by all means, you know, absolutely move the bedside alarm yeah, sure. away from. Or indeed, nowadays, most people sleep with the mobile phone on the nightstand. Oh, yeah, um, that's true, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the effects are they're not as they're not as strong as people would. You know, they're certainly nowhere near as strong as the old clock radios, mm-hmm. but they are an electromagnetic um, oh, yeah. trans, uh, transmission source. That's what the cell sensor was invented for. It was indeed. Hmm. To measure that. All right, we are coming down to the end of the show, and I think we've kicked around EMF enough, unless you have anything else you want to add on that. No, 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 no. I think we've we've um, that we've covered it. I think we've. Uh, the thing is, though, I I was because I've been yeah, I've been banging on about this for for a long time now, and it doesn't really change anything very much no. because. People believe what people believe, and there are probably a lot of people listening to the show saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, actual actual fact, I do. I've got qualifications, relevant qualifications, um, and we've taken these. Yeah, but you're people. old. I am. I'm old, and I'm white. And yeah, I'm see, that, there you go. So you really don't know anything. No, no. Don't, <laughs> don't listen to a word I've I've said. It's possible. But you don't even have a TikTok account. It's the patriarchy. <laughs> I mean, anyway. It's all the rubbish. Yeah. Anyway, the, it, it's it's uh, I, we we we've done a good job in this. I think that we've been mansplaining you know, you have, now for you know for the best part of an hour. So yeah, we we you know we talked a lot about EMF and meters before, and this was like the wrap up of it. We've gone into a little bit more about EMF itself and its effects and things so forth. So uh, if you have any and questions, want, you know, well, if uh, this is a perfect time to say, if you want a lot more information on okay. EMF meters, what's in them, how they work, and why you poss- possibly shouldn't be taking them ghost hunting with you, mm-hmm. then I would suggest buying a copy of Ghostology, no, which is available. Not. It's called Ghostology, The Art of the Ghost Hunter by me, and it's available on Amazon. Yeah, excellent. And uh, yeah. So if you have any questions, by the way, you would like us to address, you can send it to Project at comcast.net. That's the letter N-E, ghostproject at comcast.net, or messages on Facebook at Ghost Chronicles International, or Steve Parsons, or Ron Kolick. So there you go. Or Ronald it's, um, there's, a, there's some breaking news we could we could briefly mention. That yeah, we can. Absolutely. Science has something to do with the combination? Uh no, but scientists have apparently found a cure. Uh, they can reverse grey hair, graying hair. Just really? been on that today. Bit late for you, I'm afraid, but because uh, you no. can't cure baldness, but or me. No, 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 no. Uh, no, no, no. But they can make uh, what's left go back to its normal colour. You know what? That's something you don't ever want to do. I never realised. Yeah, you, you, you know, chick, chicks dig grey hair. Well, it's better than being a redhead. <laughs> a ginger. A ginger. Oh, sorry. Now that's... we're being gingerist. Oh, yeah. That's right. Gingerist. Gingerpho- oh, is it gingerphobic? Oh, ging- oh, yeah. Gingerphobic. You're absolutely yeah, right. It can't be gingerphobic. No, it can't be. That's, yeah. 
We'll otherwise have Biden, we'll have to otherwise send out Biden, a, yeah, Biden's apology. thought will be round. Yeah. So without, you know, that'll be, that'll be great for Biden. So he'll go back in time. He'll have a full head of colored hair. Now there is a, there is a man who does seem to have an obsession with hair. Have you have you seen the way he strokes and cusses and kisses and smells hair? Mm. Very That's strange. That's because it's not really hair; it's aliens on his head. It, they oh, control you saw, him. Yeah, you see. saw that video as well in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the aliens are controlling them. Very yeah. strange. Mm. Unlike your former prime minister, who just let his hair do what he wanted. His hair was uh, actually... God, that uh, was a full lot of hair. <laughs> it, it was, in fact, a protected species. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it, in the UK, it, it was recognised that Boris's hair was a protected species. And, oh, that's good. Uh, no. yeah, it was an independent life form. <laughs> okay. There you go. You know, it's it's interesting because uh, my feed is getting all kinds of interesting things about UFOs and and creatures and planes and new things discovered. It's like this is the age of discovery for us uh, here on on uh, the internet. It is. It is. We've uh, we've also discovered 150 new genders, according to the BBC. Really? Apparently so. Hmm. BBC now recognizes 149 genders. I might, uh, I might create my own gender. I'm thinking. Apparently, you can now. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. But but we're not allowed to talk to it, uh, talk about it because we are in fact middle-aged white males. Oh yeah, that's right. Damn. We're not Damn, allowed to have an opinion. I forgot. Damn. Oh well. Anyways, we're wrapping it up because we're down to two minutes. So. Well, it's good to be back on the air again. Uh, it is. Who's, who's the show brought by, Ron? Uh, yeah, I just want to give you a, a little teaser coming up. We have Dr. Karen Okito will be joining us in May, along with uh, the producer of the show Ghost in the Apple Life, a scientific investigation. And I'm so, looking forward to both. So exciting times here on uh, Ghost Chronicles International. Anyways, today's show is brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 286 Merrimack Street, Bethune, Massachusetts, TojiNet Radio, and our good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Become a member of the Dead Air Society and join us uh, on Patreon. It's three bucks a month, less in the UK, because of stupid conversion. Can I just, and, can I just quickly interrupt? There is, uh, they're just doing the headlines on tomorrow's newspapers here in the UK on te television, and one of our yeah. newspapers says, "Headline: flat, new, flat Earther claims Earth is not as flat as first thought." Oh no! So no, it's like concave. I don't know. That's only the headline. I'll be able to read the the article tomorrow morning. All right, the music's on. You'll have to report back next week. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Take care. Stay tuned for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. Good night.
from goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.